All right. It is a pleasure to be with you all on uh, this afternoon, um, navigating strange and exciting times, but mostly strange. Um, I wish that we could be in person for this presentation. I'm privileged to be on the call with my wife, and we normally don't do presentations together, but when we do, it's pretty stress-free. <laughs> Um, we want to start this presentation with a word of prayer, if you would bow your heads with me. Father God, we thank you so much that even in these challenging times, you provide a way for your people to connect and to encourage each other and to share, Lord, what great and wonderful and marvelous things you are doing in our lives. Pray that you would loose our tongues now and that we would, in our presentation, be able to share and encourage our brothers and sisters um, as uh, we continue through this pandemic. We pray that uh, your name would be lifted up in this presentation. These things we ask in your son's name. Amen. So all our lives have, I'm going to turn the camera just a little bit. All our lives have, have been uh, dramatically changed over the last uh, few months. You know, we've lost family, we've lost friends, uh, patients in larger numbers than usual, uh, both directly and indirectly because of this pestilence. I remember a year ago, I was at my 30-year uh, high school reunion, and I had the privilege of preaching the Divine Hour message and it was a review of the past 30 years, 30 years, can you believe that? So we, I went over the highs, the lows, the storms, the wars that we had. Um, and then I, I took some time to, to, to focus on the time of trouble that's coming, uh, such as never was before there was a nation. I finished by saying something to the effect that of we have not believed cunningly devised fables. And somehow, and yet, I still never imagined we would bring in 2020 with yet another world-altering watershed moment, much like that of 9-11. We just wanted to start by reviewing the objectives for this presentation. Number one, uh, we want to describe challenges created by COVID, the COVID pandemic on implementing whole person care. Uh, number two, discuss effective ways to use the internet and technology to engage patients in whole person care. Number three and four kind of flip-flopped in the presentation, but they're there. Uh, challenging, uh, we want to challenge you, the participant, the viewer, um, to use tools learned uh, or presented in this presentation to continue to make ministry and whole person care a priority in our daily lives, despite the challenges of today's climate. And we will also learn how video conferencing can help to nurture and grow one's own spiritual life. So <clears throat> here comes this virus, right? It's a phenomenon that has affected almost every uh, facet of how we live our lives. My wife and I are, are faculty here at Loma Linda University, and we're still reeling with all the new weekly protocols to how, uh, on how to teach our students, on how to treat our patients, and how to interact with each other. As an institution, we've always been pretty proud of our motto, our mission, and our vision statement. Um, but there is a thread that weaves through each one of these that has been eerily missing uh, since 
COVID-19 uh, broke out. So what is that thread? <clears throat> I don't know if any of you guys remember this 80s cartoon called The Jetsons. The Jetsons were a, uh, uh, it was a cartoon that, that uh, a space age family that somehow predicted much of the way we would be interacting today, interestingly enough. It wasn't all predictive. It wasn't all predictive, but someone or someones were definitely paying attention to the script of this cartoon and uh, this cartoon narrative and possibly even followed its blueprint. There was Alice, the housekeeping um, robot. And of course, we've seen a boom in uh, artificial intelligence in the last two decades. <clears throat> we were introduced to the future of what home workouts look like, especially during COVID-19. Um, unless you were willing to stack on the COVID-15 like I was. <clears throat> and then there was this FaceTime, right? FaceTime in the 80s seemed like a far-fetched, ridiculous notion, right? No way that that would ever happen. And then this takes us to telemedicine. Yes, it has existed before COVID-19, um, of course, but you know, since COVID-19, uh, this is a direction that most of us have had to go uh, just to survive in our practices or in our professions. Uh, as we have navigated the last few months, we found this system of healthcare had some benefits. You know, we experienced some flexibility in our schedules, maybe uh, flexibility in the location from where we practice uh, and maybe a few other pros, but we cannot deny <clears throat> the dose of its cons. Daphne will flesh these out a little more in her, in her uh, side of this presentation, but we go back to this missing thread uh, that has been brought on by COVID-19. The elimination of probably the most uh, important facet of healthcare. Human touch, we see in Luke 8.33, where again, this is the theme of our conference this year, where this woman with the issue of blood reached out to touch the hem of uh, Christ's border, uh, the, the border of his garment, and immediately the issue of her bleeding uh, was stopped. And we also see when Jesus healed by laying hands on the leprous man, when he said, I, if you will, uh, you can make me clean. And Jesus said, I will. And he was clean. Human touch, physical contact has been sacrificed in this pandemic. If we thought physical contact was important pre-COVID, imagine now, how much more so now, especially for us, as providers. Does God leave his children destitute? I remember hearing multiple times Pastor Doug Batchelor would always say, you know, God doesn't save us from the storm. He saves you through the storm. And of course, we have many examples of this in the Bible. So even today, God has provided during this difficult time. Yes, in this instance, it might not be uh, as ideal as actual human uh, social interaction. But still, he has provided a way to maintain us, to keep us connected, a way to conduct business, a way to feed our families, a way through the storm, and a way, of course, to be a blessing and receive a blessing through this storm.
I'm now going to turn this portion of the presentation over to my lovely wife. Um, she uses this technology a lot more than I do on a day-to-day -day basis. And that stands to reason because, again, as an oral surgeon, as, you know, as uh, my, my rudimentary training, which is in dentistry, if we use telemedicine <clears throat> on a daily basis, it would look more like this. It would be like teledentistry, a new way of traumatizing. And I think, uh, I thank God that uh, to this point, we're actually starting to see more and more patients and managing um, how that uh, looks like in this COVID era. Um, Daphne will be talking about COVID-19 and how it's changed the health healthcare landscape and how we've adapted to survive uh, and care more efficiently for our patients with whole person care principles. So Daphne, the time, the next few minutes are yours. Thank you, babe. So good afternoon, everyone again. And um, I just wanna do a very brief review about the indications, the benefits and the challenges for telemedicine um, during this pandemic. As we all know, all the changes that have taken care in the way we care for patients um, during this time are needed mainly to reduce staff exposure to possible um, patients with COVID, to preserve also uh, personal protective equipment that might, need, might be needed more in the hospital setting, and also minimize impact of uh, surges on different facilities. So the healthcare systems have had to adjust to this way of actually triage, evaluating and treating patients uh, using methods that do not rely on a physical or personal encounter. Is telemedicine new? No, it's not. It's not a new concept. Um, but in the past, if we think about telemedicine, it was mostly limited to a phone call or some correspondence between patients and physicians. And be, even before COVID-19 pandemic, the trend was uh, or shows some increased interest in, in telehealth. But it wasn't until March 6th when everything changed. So on March 6, the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, or CMS, stated that there will be a new reimbursement for office and hospital telehealth visits, and that video visits would be reimbursed at the value equal to an in-person visit. So as you see here in this graph, right, you see um, in the beginning of the year, the number of Medicare beneficiaries receiving telemedicine per week was almost inexistent, but soon after March 6, you see this exponential growth. And then you can see that since um, uh, February and March, uh, a lot of the patients that did not plan to use um, telemedicine or didn't even know what that was, actually those numbers are coming down. And the number of patients intended to use it or that has already used it has been growing as well. So all this um, also has improved or has the potential to improve patient health outcome as well. This is now a new um, um, 
uh, article and it's not a study that has been done particularly in COVID. This was done in 2016 and um, it was published in the Applied Clinical Informatics, but essentially shows that using telehealth is, you know, it's, allows to reduce all costs of 30-day hospital readmissions among uh, patients with heart failure. And we are still working on the current data for, for COVID and we will see how that looks like. So we have learned the art of telehealth very rapidly and through different platforms. There are more than 20 options out there in the market. And here you see the ones that we use here mostly in our institution and I have no you know, interest to disclose with any of these, but just for you to be aware of what is available. So Doximi is free, it's cheap, it's quite secure. Um, essentially it's this one that uh, you see here upper left corner. in the left upper corner. And essentially um, it's, it's wonderful because it doesn't require any downloads. So the patients love it because this is very use friendly. Then my favorite is the one below it, which is Doximity, which is it's a dialer video uh, that connects you to your patient through a no reply message, the text message. The patient just go clicks on the link and voila, you are talking to them. There is a particular platform in Epic uh, called Canto that is linked to the particular chart of the patient so the patient can go in, check in on their own in their own time electronically. Um, and it's very intuitive for young patients. And then the last one is Zoom. We're trying to move away from this platform just because of HIPAA reasons. But what I loved about Zoom that was that we were able to share our screens like we're doing at this time and being able to show the patients the chest x-rays, CTs, and so forth. So it's not that we have a lot of time to take pictures, as you can see here. Um, the problem is that or, or these pictures come from a, a, a project that we have. We're doing a documentary on COVID-19. And as you are going to see, there is a big difference in the way we use telemedicine and in the outpatient setting compared to the inpatient setting. When we work in the clinic, we see patients on our own or we, like you see in the corner here on the left, um, that we sometimes supervise fellows or residents. And yes, we have time for uh, also for the spiritual care in the clinic. Here, this particular picture is me. It's not that I'm sleeping. I'm just praying with the patient over the phone. Uh, but to me, all these pictures show the same reality. That is this state of solitude and order during this COVID pandemic that has forced us to really work in a very different way in the outpatient setting. The clinic is empty, there is no traffic, there is no noise, there is no patient, there is no laugh, but it's also very different to what we see in the inpatient setting. In the inpatient setting, telehealth also has aid, um, not only physicians, but nurses and the entire medical personnel to provide care for COVID and for COVID patients, and either by providing remote surgical advice or remote family interactions, like you see in some of these pictures, or even remote ICU care, 
uh, some of the rural areas in our country, that was the only option that they had, honestly, um, to, for the physician to provide aid um, remotely. And the last picture here on the bottom left shows a, a patient um, that delivered in the hospital. We have three pregnant women that came to our ICU um, that contracted COVID. Actually, all of them were um, intubated and mechanically ventilated. And thank God, you know, they deliver in the ICU or the C-section was done. And all of them, thank God, returned safe and sound with their babies. Um, so that's another um, experience of um, this particular technology. But uh, to me, telemedicine has done an excellent job actually replacing a lot of the pieces and the patient clinical interaction puzzle. But honestly, it has done a disservice when it comes to the interaction of families and, and um, physicians in the hospital and especially in the ICU. Nowhere in the hospital, believe me, isolation has been so real and so crude for patients as in the ICU. The days where, like you see in these pictures, you know, families had the opportunity to have a long discussion, a timely, a thorough discussion with physicians to understand what was going on with their loved ones, what was the prognosis, and so forth. Those times are gone. And we are left with this very sterile and difficult to approach, you know, reality where families are complete, they, they can't even come and visit their loved ones. Patients are scared, they're lonely, and families are not there for the whole process. The other, um, another wonderful use of technology during COVID has been the introduction of different platforms that have helped to keep doctors not only connected internationally, but also learning from each other. Even though we can't go to scientific meetings, we can't network as we used to, I feel like at least in my field, um, we have never been as connected as today through technology in this, during this pandemic. This is an example uh, of a large Zoom meeting with nationally known specialists in critical care. You can see that all of them are quite beat up. <laughs> that was early during the, um, the uh, epidemic, but uh, you know, there were long nights just um, getting into the Zoom meetings, trying to understand the trend and the data and the possible treatments that were available. So what are the potential uses of um, telemedicine or telehealth? Well, you can screen, screen patients who may have symptoms of COVID-19 and refer them appropriately, or for those that are non-COVID patients, you will provide this low risk urgent care that they need. Patients have access not only to their primary care physician, but also to specialists. They, um, through telehealth, you can provide coaching and support for management of chronic diseases. Um, this has been wonderful in our clinic. Um, we have a lot of training and education that we used to do in clinic that now we can't do any longer, like 
airway clearance education, you know, inhaler technique education or training, all those now are done remotely. Um, we can deliver care, planning and counseling to patients and family. I think support groups are great. Um, there are some, um, how would I say, uh, ideas about creating critical groups for or support groups for patients that have um, suffered from COVID and they have to go back to their lives. And it's a very difficult transition. We have support groups for patients with pulmonary hypertension, with interstitial lung disease, and all those um, support groups have somehow transitioned to a remote uh, form using these platforms. So uh, telehealth also allows to follow up patients after hospitalization very quickly and provide non-emerging care for, to residents in long-term care facilities. I think this is one of the, the points that I've seen the most benefits from. I mean, patients that were coming from the long-term care facilities or rehab centers before, they needed to arrange for transportation and nurse needed to come with them. So now they stay where they are. They don't need any nursing, um, you know, supervision. They don't need transportation. They need some help with techno technological uh, issues that we're gonna talk about. Um, but in some sense, it has been also a blessing. And also provide education and training for health providers through peer-to-peer -peer medical consultations. And this has been great, especially if you're in a rural area and you don't have access to a lot of um, you know, specialties, um, this is a, a wonderful option. What are the potential limitations of telemedicine? Well, you have to be aware that there are a lot of interstate licensure challenges and also regulatory issues that you, you might arise, so just look into those. There are situations in which in-person visits are more appropriate than a telehealth visit, especially if the patient is dealing with an urgent situation or a specific underlying health uh, condition, or if you need to do a very thorough physical exam. And I feel like, you know, our trainees are, are having a difficult time with all this process because this is the time for them to really learn to, to have an uh, appropriate physical exam uh, experience. The need to address sensitive topics is another possible limitation. I mean, not only because some patients may feel uncomfortable dealing with some subjects through a camera, but also because of um, uh, or concerns of privacy. Uh, limited access to technological devices, we see this all the time, right? Patients don't have smartphone or tablets or computers, and we expect them to seek for our help. We have a uh, homeless population. I don't really know how to reach to that population during this pandemic, honestly, with the resources that we have. And also there are a lot of connectivity issues, you know, um, during these visits and so forth. And the level of comfort um, with technology is another point, and not only from the patients, but also from the providers. Um, and certainly there has been a disruption in whole person care or spiritual care, unfortunately. 
uh, we're not able to touch, uh, you know, uh, patients. We're not able to interpret a lot of bad body language. We are not able to cry with patients. And so I think um, that's one of the most um, difficult limitations during this time. But there are a lot of benefits as well. Uh, we know that telehealth services can facilitate public health mitigation strategies during this pandemic by increasing social distancing. Um, maintains continuity of care, which is very important. Otherwise, there would have not been any other you know, way to provide care for these patients in this last eight months. And as a way of continuing, uh, continuing care, uh, we can avoid additional negative consequences from delayed preventive, chronic, or routinary care um, vaccinations, for example. That's a good example of that. Um, through telemedicine, we can increase participation for vulnerable um, patients, those in ELTA, those in rehab centers, those in rural areas, and so forth helps to preserve the patient-provider relationship, even if it's through a camera or through a phone, and allows at the same time for continuation of whole care person. So yes, it can be a limitation, but there is a benefit that at least it's not ideal. You're still having a way to um, you know, introduce Jesus to your patient. Yes, it, you should be more intentional probably done in a face-to-face -face encounter. Yes, you're gonna have to be more creative and we're gonna talk about some of these ideas, but I feel like positive outcomes are guaranteed when we pray for our patients. So challenges on implementing whole person care during COVID-19. Well, let me tell you, it has not been easy. Um, while video teleconferencing might be relatively easy for medical personnel to pick up, uh, usually for patients, the curve is much steeper. And many of you have probably done what I have shown in this picture, right? Holding up a sign for patients, um, you know, to understand how to unmute their devices or how to allow their cameras and so forth. There is also a lot of fear among patients um, when it comes to the usage of technology. And other challenges including, includes maximizing the encounter with patients in the face of time constraints and multiple interactions in the domain of the patient that we have no you know, business or no control over. You know, patients nowadays, yes, are trying to talk to us, but at the same time, they're trying to homeschool their kids. They're continuing with their chores at home and so forth. So in the midst of those, um, you know, interruptions and time constraints, you have to find a way to transitioning into spiritual things, and that can be challenging. But making a spiritual resources available to patients, I feel is one of the easiest and hardest way um, to get our patients engaged. Before it was easy to, you know, as you were ex exiting the room, just leave a glow trap with a patient or an invitation to a particular event or, or a Bible group or whatever it was, now requires patients' motivation to really you know, bridge 
to some meaningful um, spiritual care. So what are some of the effective ways to use technology and whole person care? Well, I am, and I'm very curious to hear from you guys also. This is what I, it has worked for me. Um, make prayer the natural conclusion of your patient encounter like you, you were doing before. You know, now through the phone, through cameras, it doesn't matter. Patients are now more receptive to prayer than ever before. So don't miss that opportunity. Share religious materials remotely. The way we do it is through links or through videos that patients can access either prior to the encounter or after the encounter. And make these resources available to them, you know, put extra effort to really make them, you know, that the patient might feel the, the energy and the appealing, you know, force of that message. At Loma Linda, we invite patients for prayer groups, for support groups, um, that's an, an option. Involve chaplaincy for follow-up. I love our chaplains and I know they're so committed to really follow up with, you know, with patients that have a spiritual, you know, interest. They have programs, they have resources, and they have time that they can devote to all these patients when they have a uh, spiritual uh, interest. And Another thing that I have been using, it works really, just find one quote or one verse a day to share with your patients. That will help you with scriptural memorization, but at the same time, it will bless immensely your patients. There is a lot of fear and despair in your patients. Find a promise and repeat it over and over. It doesn't, you, you know, it doesn't need to be exhaustive for you, but at the same time, it will change you and it will change your patients. So one verse for one day, to all patients, and you will see how amazing result uh, or what God can do with that. It's his word. So, and he has promised that his word will not return to him void. I always tell my COVID patients, I have a post-COVID clinic uh, for patients that I have survived in the ICU. And I always tell them, God has a purpose for you. The reason why you are today in clinic is because God preserves your life. So now help them discover what that process, that, that um, purpose is, which is actually knowing God. I want to briefly um, share a story with you. And I'm glad that uh, John is in the call because he, he had an interaction with Michelle. Michelle, uh, was referred to me before COVID, actually um, about a year ago by another pulmonologist. She had been, uh, she came to my clinic with her husband, which is a um, minister from a non-denominational church and also with her daughter. At the end of the encounter, I just offered prayer and they gladly accepted. And as soon as I was ready to leave the room, the husband said, doctor, I just want to pray for you. It happens that I was the third pulmonologist trying to understand what was going on with Michelle. And he wanted to make sure that there was some divine lead 
in the way of understanding what was going on and also providing a uh, specific management for uh, her loved one. So after a lot of tests and observation and a lot of interviewing, we finally came up with a diagnosis and um, you know, she, she came back to clinic usually once a month. And during those visits, we would pray, we would talk about faith, about trials, about God's purpose and so forth. She established um, also um, um, care with rheumatology. She started on new biologicals. And with that, she started having all these bouts of pneumonia that kept her in the hospital pretty much every month during the winter time. And, I also, I always wanted to make time for her because she was uh, open to spiritual things and spiritual topics and so forth. And she was seeking. So, you know, just to make a long story short, um, she transitioned from oxygen to non-invasive positive pressure ventilation. She has been more stable. She has been doing well, but it has been a complete transformation of what her life used to be like. And it has been emotionally tasking for her. So one day I texted her and said, hey, Michelle, um, you know, there is a, this Bible study going on on Tuesday night. It's in Zoom. But if you're not doing anything at home and you want to join, just, you know, this is the link. She joined and John was given that Bible study. And, um, you know, after that, she joined the Tuesday after and the one after. And if I ever forget to. Who is John? Who is John? <laughs> John Shen. Sorry. Dr. <laughs> Dr. Dr. Shen. John Shen yeah. Dr. John Shen. Yes. So, um, and if I ever forget to send the link, okay, for the Zoom meeting, she reminds me immediately. And we have been able to connect personally and remotely with patients. And God, let me tell you, has no limit in the way he, he works. Um, if he can create and if he can heal through his word or by his word, he can certainly use his word remotely to heal and save our patients. And actually, we have, you know, a biblical account about that, right? The, the centurion came to Jesus in despair, um, begging, right? Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, suffering terribly. And Jesus was willing to go. But this man of faith said, no, just speak the word only. And... You know, it's interesting, at the distance, he sent word for the centurion servant, and that servant was healed. And to me, these are kind of the principles for telemedicine, and Jesus can work as powerfully as we have our patients in front of us, as remotely, using whatever we have available. So just to finish, I just want to share some of the um, few pictures about 
the wonderful people that have been working in the ICU. Here at the bottom, you see the, the proning team. They have been proning and supining people, you know, for hours during months, and they are all, always so cheerful and ready to, to help patients. So I have honestly been inspired by how people have responded to this pandemic. So now I'm going to hand it back to my husband so he can tell you about how COVID-19 has affected us personally, our ministry, and how we have adapted. Thank you, Daphne. That was very informative and very, <clears throat> I know you put a lot of work into it. So thank you for sharing with us. Um, you know, this time has been very, very sad for many of us. Uh, I myself lost my grandmother um, at the beginning of the epidemic. She was in the epicenter, uh, one of the epicenters, which was uh, New York City uh, back in March. And, and we lost uh, we lost her to, to COVID. Some of you uh, probably lost loved ones uh, as well. And many of you, um, many of you might be maybe on the call, might be frontliners still duking this thing out every every day, day in, day out. You know, the grim prognoses, the absent family members at the deathbed, you know, depression. And of course, that element that has, you know, uh, at least been a, a concern in, in all of our minds to a certain, uh, um, uh, to a certain extent, which is this, this concept of fear, right? Fear of, of everything, fear of everyone, right? I, I can't believe that I was, that I was wiping down grocery bags when I walked. I mean, doing stuff that in our lives we never thought we would do. So I am so thankful that First Timothy uh, 1.7 says, for, for God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. God has an answer for all of these challenges. And I love this verse. I've always I've fallen back on it many times throughout my life. Um, and I still find it uh, relevant and helpful today. So being able to, you know, in, in addition to this, to, to scripture, um, being able to tap into Zoom for sermons, for Bible studies during a time that the church has been shut down uh, has been life-sustaining for both of us. And um, consider what it would be like to have these shutdowns and not have, you know, these resources available to us. I mean, that, that would be very, very discouraging. Uh, so is it ideal? Are these platforms ideal? Of course not. Uh, is it the worst possible case scenario? No, the worst possible case scenario is coming. It's described in Daniel chapter 12, verse one. Uh, it's not here yet, but it's coming. <clears throat> so what have we done? Notice you can see in this picture is full of uh, wonderful, wonderful uh, outdoor scenery. Uh, we have had to uh, take time to my wife because she's in the COVID unit all the time. Myself, you know, I had to I had to reorient my schedule as well. The one thing that I realized uh, as a lecturer um, at the the university, I teach uh, the didactic courses for oral and maxillofacial surgery and anesthesia to dental students. And so I had to restructure all of my lectures and put them online and record them um, and, and administer all of my uh, quizzes and exams through um, these platforms. And, you know, I thought to myself, well, you know, is this, how, how is this, how can I make 
make this not such an overwhelming because I'm kind of from that generation that doesn't like buttons. I like human interaction. My wife will tell you I'm very outgoing. I like to connect with people. Um, so, but these are some of the things that we that I experienced. Maybe my wife not so much because she still had to go to the hospital. But you know, I found myself more at home, uh, more out in nature, longer devotionals every morning. You know, humans in general, we're creatures of habit. We don't like change. And this is nothing but change since March. So except, you know, change in this context, I was figuring out wasn't so bad. I found myself saving money because I, I attended, you know, conferences online in a virtual setting. Uh, so that was cheaper. I was saving food, be- uh, saving money because I wasn't going out to eat or, or paying, you know, for food at the hospital. And my stress levels were significantly dropping because I was doing less uh, in-person in uh, care. And again, when you do surgery, uh, you know, obviously there's this always this element of, of uh, anxiety, a little bit of nervousness, a little bit of fear, especially in dentistry. Uh, this was like a renaissance for me, quite frankly. I was thinking to myself, and I know some of you guys were thinking the same thing. You were saying, hmm, maybe I've been doing this all wrong. Or, you know, do we do we have to go back to the way things work? Because I find myself, you know, living a, a little more balanced. So I found that to be such an incredible blessing and thanking the Lord for it, you know. So COVID gave us lemons and we made COVID lemonade. Praise God, right? <clears throat> so here's some of the wonderful dishes that I that I cooked. I I got in touch with my roots. So I'm I'm Dominican from Dominican Republic. My parents are, and so I found a, a Dominican chef on YouTube and started trying out some of their uh, some of his recipe, her recipes actually, and uh, did some Asian cooking as well. We started a, a garden. We started sprouting seeds, which are the new toilet paper apparently. Um, and, you know, I have three children in the backyard, uh, not actual children, but three avocado trees that have started to yield. And so um, this is, you know, I'm, I'm telling you, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to make, you know, uh, lemonade out of lemons and, and it's not so bad. It's actually been pretty wonderful. So how has Zoom, how has COVID-19 affected our ministry? My wife and I, we understand that we live we're in a unique situation where we're here at Loma Linda, a Christian campus, an Adventist campus. We have young people who love the Lord, who seek the Lord, who want to walk with the Lord. So um, so we want to make sure, you know, because these are marathon professions, right? You go through four years, you come with all the verve and all the uh, the, uh, the determination to be a missionary, to reach people for the Lord. And then you all know what happens as you're coursing through, life gets to you, requirements get to you, um, the rotations, uh, the hours, the study. And, and all of a sudden, we have had so many young people fall away from the faith. Uh, and so our ministry, um, uh, once we purchased finally a home close to the university was was to uh, create environments for these young people to come together to study God's word to encourage each other to pray for each other and that has been our uh, our ministry and I just wanted to share some of those with you um, but but you know COVID has affected them of course um, but you'll find that Zoom and some of these video conferencing platforms have been able to stabilize them uh, to some extent, uh, as we go through this. So this is our medical student Bible study, which has been going on for over, well over two years. 
Um, and so this was, they, they would meet every, every Thursday night in our home, Thursday night, Sunday night. We had so many going on. Sometimes I get confused. Sunday night, they would come together. Um, and uh, again, we would provide food for them. They would eat, then they would have a study together. They're still going strong uh, even during this time. And then there's the, the dental student Bible study that come, uh, they come on Thursday evenings. This is a little, a little bit newer um, but uh, they, they've been faithfully uh, getting together on Thursday evenings. And then we have our medical resident uh, Bible study. And again, some of these are um, uh, internal medicine, surgical, uh, surgical residents, pediatrics. pediatrics. I mean, uh, the whole gamut. This is our newest uh, study that we started, uh, I don't know, a little over seven months ago, maybe. Um, prior to, uh, these are all uh, pre-COVID pictures, but you'll see that. Um, obviously, we've had to adapt. So the medical students still get together on, on uh, Sunday evenings. Um, they all uh, follow protocols. They wear their masks. They social distance, except for in this picture, because you got to get into a picture, right? Uh, but there are a bunch of young, uh, healthy uh, medical students that love the Lord, still going strong in this COVID time. Um, this is a thinned out Bible, uh, dental student Bible study that, uh, that meets still on Thursday nights. We kind of do a hybrid, some in person, some on on Zoom. Uh, so we're still we're we're still going strong. And then, of course, medical residents, being the responsible and most mature, they faithfully meet on Zoom on Friday evenings. Uh, so you can see that you know, and it's amazing because even though it's not ideal, we still are blessed by by the encouraging words that residents shared. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to reach out to you midweek. And, and we go through a Bible study and we uplift each other. And so that has been uh, an incredible blessing, even during this time. Um, interestingly enough, I have actually um, been able to reach out to to friends of mine that I don't, we don't live anywhere close. My friends, most of them live in Michigan. Um, but I have like swallowed hard during this time. And I said, maybe Lord, this is the time to reach out. Uh, these are guys that I grew up with from kindergarten, you know, and of course some have fallen away from, from the faith, other struggles, other one foot in one foot out, you know, and, and I said, Lord, is this the time? Is this the time? And so I threw it out there one day. I said, Hey guys, you guys want to get together on zoom on a weekly basis, study the Bible. And they bit and they're, we've been meeting since, uh, I think it's been since February, uh, since March, actually, um, to study to study the Bible together. And they they so look forward to coming together and studying and reading. We've actually gotten through uh, Norman McNulty's book, uh, the commentary on the book of Daniel. Um, we went, uh, you know, week by week. We went chapter by chapter, verse by verse. And man, I mean, we decided to take a break now during uh, Doug Batchelor's um, a Revelation Now series so that we can tune into that. But it was very ov obvious that they didn't want to stop meeting on a weekly basis because they, they were drawing so much from our time together uh, every Sabbath afternoon. So, you know, in addition to this, I feel like, man, when I started fleshing all these things out, the Lord is really using this technology uh, for, for so that we can continue ministering to people uh, I also have a Bible study with uh, five coworkers from four different faith backgrounds uh, in the School of Dentistry, and it's been going on for about a year and 10 months, and what was a lunch and learn week, weekday study is now a Sunday morning uh, Zoom study due to COVID, and it's they find it so convenient 
Um, you know, when we met during the weekdays, it was always a challenge. I can't meet there. I can't do it at lunch. I can't do it at breakfast. And so now everyone's in the comfort of their homes. Some of them are in PJs. Some of them invite their family members. And, hey, listen and come in. Let's have this Bible study. And so it's, you know, it has been the best way, uh, the best way that we know how to adapt right now. Is it the best way, though? We, we know probably not. But man, we have had uh, the best time trying, uh, figuring out this tech and how to use it for God's honor and glory. Um, and so we finally conclude, Beth. Um, uh, I know it feels like I've been talk- we've been talking forever. So how important has media become to you since March? Uh, again, not ideal, not ideal at all. We, are to, we were created to commune with God, to fellowship with each other, and, and all of this would keep our minds uh, healthy and stable. Uh, and this we can still do, thank God, praise God, we still have those freedoms in this country. Uh, for now. Our sanity, in part, depends on human contact. God put that in our hearts to fellowship together and to maintain connected with family and friends and even our church. Our fellowship has mostly depended on media during this whole thing. So while it's available and while we are able to, why not implement these tools, the tech that God has provided, to do the Lord's work? If you're, if you're not doing it already, right? Um, I think of a friend of ours, her, her name is Alexa. She lives in the Philippines. She's an oral and maxillofacial surgery resident. And as soon as this, this uh, COVID pandemic broke out back in March, uh, she started a ministry uh, called Arise and Learn. And it was, it was a way to buoy her colleagues' spirits and, and uh, on this platform and to learn how to provide the best clinical and whole person care. So she has speakers come on. It's, a, it's been going on. It's a strong ministry uh, this the seven months uh, deep into this. And she still meets every week. So I know that some of you might be doing this type of work already. But if you're not, if you are not, I want to challenge you to step up your ministry game. Um, invite old friends. Reach out to them. Uh, family members. Friends. Uh, members from church that have fallen away. Uh, This is an opportunity for you to connect with them. Um, Initially, just for the sake of connecting or catching up, but, you know, that's the time to, you're always praying and seeking for that moment to transition to spiritual things. People are ripe for this right now. I have never, I have never found in my lifetime an easier time to talk about God uh, with, with those who surround me. Um, <clears throat> video conferencing provides a safe, convenient way to connect, um, to talk about life, the world, and what we anticipate will happen in the not-so-distant future. There is no way, of course, uh, to abound in all the intricacies of what is going on, uh, what we've been through in the last seven months, uh, <clears throat> in just such a short time. But hopefully, through this seminar, you were inspired to use uh, what God has provided to be a blessing to your patients, uh, to each other, and hopefully a little bit of self-growth along the way. Um, are there any questions? Or if you guys want to share, we, we would love for yes. everyone to share how this um, you know, pandemic has impacted your practice. What are you doing with what you, you are able to use and so forth? Feel free to share. 
Daphne, I had a question for you, actually. Um, You know, because of COVID, uh, I'm sure you see a lot of patients who have to suffer alone in the ICU and they, they can't have family members visit them. Have you found that this offers a new ministry opportunity that may not have been there before because they're more vulnerable, isolated? And have you, have you run across situations where people are more open to talking simply because they were just desperate for some kind of passionate, compassionate contact? I think they are if they are not heavily sedated, paralyzed, and on the vent, <laughs> which is probably 90%, unfortunately, of the patients that, uh, you know, it, that's the inevitable way that COVID patients end up if they are in the ICU. If patients are on high flow or still able to talk, I feel like, you know, sometimes I come into the, the room and I'm like, what do you need? And one patient told me, I just need for people to come in. No one wants to come in. I just want to talk. I just want people to see me as a human being and not as a, you know, a COVID patient. And that really struck me, right? That we, yes, we have to protect ourselves, but at the same time, it's a prime opportunity, I think. People have no interaction with anything from the outside world, we are it when they are in the hospital. They can, you know, the the very limited family interactions they have through Zoom or through phone are not enough. You know, families can be there next to them. So I think it's a prime time. You're right. I think people are so open um, to spiritual things and so forth. You know, and I. For those that, unfortunately, those that have have to intubate, I know that it's going to be a long run and that 50% of them won't survive that. So when I do my discussion prior, if there is time prior to the intubation, I just want to provide hope and comfort because that might be the last thing they hear. Amen. Yes. Question on materials that you find helpful to share over Zoom. Uh, Spiritual materials. Uh, Yeah. So if you, um, you know, what I'm trying to do is a lot of links. If I find, for example, something in, I don't know, amazing facts or something that, you know, that I can... um, you know, if the the conversation goes through, um, you know, or transitions to a spiritual, you know, care or spiritual topics, it's very easy. I have, you know, some templates and I click and I share it. And, you know, they, and we are working on probably providing more of videos for patients that are more specific um in this time but this is in the making um but there are a lot of you know resources already that are very easy to copy and you know paste or you know or what i do we um we mail all our orders to patients so uh, once you know the encounter is done, we print out all the orders, we print out all the education material, and on those materials, I just place something that is spiritual, and it's very easy. But I don't do it with everyone. With those that I have had 
a meaningful spiritual conversation during the encounter. Um, thank you guys for this opportunity uh, to share with you. And if, if the Lord has not come next year, hopefully we can gather together. We're going to try and do it again here at Indian Wells in California. And hopefully uh, if it's not there, it'll be at the wellspring, the wellspring that springs eternal uh, next to the throne of God. Amen. Yeah, let's have a quick word of prayer as we close. Father God, we come to you again. Um, uh, our, our hearts are full. Our hearts are thankful, Lord, that even amid the challenges, the storms of life, you take care of your children. You provide that manna. And you have provided, Lord, for us resources, resources, Lord, that can extend to the uttermost, uttermost uh, parts of this world. Mm-hmm. Um, how else, Father, is the gospel going to go to the, uh, to, the, to the extent of, of every inch, every corner of this world? How will that happen? I know that you're using tech in, in that process as well. It's not the only way, but you're using it now. And we just thank you, Father, for everyone here on the call. I just ask that uh, you would dispatch a, a special cohort of angels around every, every single person on this call, in this conference, uh, Father, that you would protect them during this time, not for the sake of protecting us and preserving us, but, but Lord, preserving us and protecting us so that we might be able to do your will, do the work that you uh, asked us to do and be uh, active laborers in this great co-mission. We pray, Lord, that you would come soon. We, we pray that you would prepare our hearts and that you would motivate and mobilize your people. These things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.